This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. For from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how you are teaching us by your spirit. We ask that you may apply this teaching to our word, our hearts and our lives, that we would be different, that we would be like Christ on this earth, that we would do your will on earth as it's done in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. The series in Ephesians is called ID Check because you're learning about your identity in Christ in the book of Ephesians. And today's message is where we turn from the doctrinal underpinnings that Paul has laid out in chapters 1 to 3 and now in chapter 4, he begins to chapters 4 to 6, the practical application of doctrine. So as Warren Wiersbe says, doctrine is something we are to live as well as we are to learn. So you're to learn doctrine, 
chapters 1 to 3, and you're to live doctrine, chapters 4 to 6. So we're turning the corner and looking at how the doctrine applies to everyday living. So the first thing that Paul addresses is how to maintain unity. How does the church hang together and live together? And there's many applications for all of us because we're in relationship with other people. How can you get along? Can't we all just get along? Those are famous words from Rodney King appealing during a riot after some officers were quitted for beating him 53 to 56 times with batons. And he was asking the people, can't we all just get along? How can we maintain unity? Here they are. From the passage, Ephesians 4, 1 to 16, there are six things we can do to maintain unity. And they are to live the Christ-like life. We're going to learn about that in a moment. To cooperate with the unity of the Spirit. To affirm the focal point of faith. To accept the diversity of grace gifts. To be loving and truthful. And to do your part. Let's see how this works out practically in your relationships and in mine. First of all, have you ever seen two people who used to get along, who used to love each other, who used to be best of friends, and then something got between them, and now they're not on talking terms, they've been estranged from each other, they walk to the other side of the road or the room or the hallway to avoid one another? Isn't that sad? But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. We can maintain unity. How can we do that? Live the Christ-like life. Now, what's that mean? Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, Paul writes as a prisoner for the Lord. He's a prisoner in Rome under Emperor Nero. But as far as he's concerned, I'm not a prisoner of Nero. I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I'm under his command under his control, under his commission, and I serve the Lord. And even though I'm bound by chains to a Roman soldier 24-7, guess what? I'm free in Christ. And as one who's free in Christ and a prisoner for the Lord, I am urging all of you Christians in the city of Ephesus to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You know, Christians were first called Christians in Antioch, and it wasn't a compliment. They were insulting the Christians by calling them, you little Christs. They thought they were insulting the Christians by calling them little Christs, is what the word Christian means. But I bet the people there said, I resemble that. Thank you very much for recognizing Jesus in me. Yes, I am a Christian. And we're to live a life worthy of our calling to be little Christ, to reflect Christ. And how do we reflect Christ? Well, here it is, a list of attitudes and virtues that reflect Christ. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You're not, never more like Christ than when these virtues are activated in your life. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest for your souls. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I am low of heart. He said, I am completely humble and gentle. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, it says, He did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and became a servant, becoming a human being and was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. Aren't you glad? that Jesus was completely humble, completely gentle, and he was patient with sinners, and he bore with them so that he went to the cross to bear our sins so we could be forgiven and we could be given a new life in him. And by his spirit inside of us, it is possible for a person who's proud to be humble, for a person who's impatient to be patient, and for a person bearing who's uh, intolerant of others to be bearing with one another in love. It's possible. And let me share something very important right now with you. You remember that Paul prayed earlier, I ask that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened, that you may know the resurrection power that's inside you. The same power that rose Jesus, raised Jesus from the dead the Holy Spirit, resides in you, Christian. If you ever think, no, I can't be humble, I can't be patient, I can't bear with others in love, you say, Jesus, by your resurrection power inside me, by your Holy Spirit, you live through me to be humble, to be patient, to be tolerant of people, to treat them with dignity and respect. You may not be able to do it, but the resurrection power of Jesus by his Spirit in you can do it. Will you let the Lord live through you? Will you live the Christ-like life? Let me tell you something. Those who live the Christ-like life will experience loving relationships. And even when they're wronged, and even when their love is requited and not returned to them, they'll still be loving. Why? Because it's about Jesus living in you and through you. It's not what you get. It's not that you prove yourself more important than other people. It's that Jesus shines through your life and that God gives, gets the glory. Let your light so shine that people will give glory to your Father in heaven. Second way we can maintain unity is by cooperating with the unity of the Spirit that's already here. Make every effort to keep or maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When you trusted in Christ, you were baptized into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. So you became a member, literally, of the body of Christ. Like this arm is a member of my torso. Membership was a word that came into being because of the concept of the body of Christ. We have membership in the body of Christ. So we are united in Christ. We went from me to we. This coming Saturday, Don and Bonnie are going to exchange vows, and they're going to go from me to we. God bless you, Don and Bonnie. 
And so it's a different mindset, isn't it? When you are united, you start thinking less of yourself and more about the other person. And bad marriages, or excuse me, good marriages take time and effort. Bad marriages take more time and more effort. So we should not assume that relationship building and maintaining of unity is a natural thing. It takes effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit that's already there, the bond of peace that's already there. Make every effort to recognize it, to affirm it, to honor it, and to grow it. Let's cooperate with the Holy Spirit who says you're one in Christ. And affirm the focal point of the faith. I want you to think about this. If two people who are very different from each other are heading towards the same focal point, what will happen? They'll get closer to each other, right? Two people, completely different, are heading towards the same focal point. What happens? They head, they head closer to each other. And that's why we need to have the same focal point of faith. Ephesians 4, 7 and 8, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you have what's called the Shema. The Shema is that if you're a good Jewish person, you proclaim that God is one. And this is the last word that should be on your lips when you die. The Shema. You say, God is one. Well, I knew a New Testament scholar by the name of Dr. Gleason Archer. And I was told by someone who was very close to him, he was a professor of mine at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, brilliant scholar, knew all sorts of languages, that when he was on his deathbed, you know what his last words were? In Koine Greek, no less, it was the Christian Shema, the Christian exclamation of oneness. He recited this in the original language. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all, and he died. This is the focal point. If we realize we have one Lord, and we've been baptized by one spirit into one body, and we have one Father who's over all, won't we head closer to each other? You know, there's what's called the 101% principle for resolving conflict. Do you know what the 101% principle is? Find the 1% that you can agree on with this person who's so disagreeable and give it 100%. So we can agree on a focal point and head towards that and draw closer to each other. And we are to accept the diversity of grace gifts. You see, Jesus, after he died, he rose from the dead. But he obtained grace gifts and gave them to us. So every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And you know what? 
that makes us very different from one another. And we should not be poo-pooing or looking down our nose at someone who has a, a gift that's behind the scenes and not up front. Because every gift is important. There's diversity. There's a multicolored ver- uh, aspect to the grace of God. And here's what Paul writes about that. But to each of you, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave these gift positions called apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And the purpose is to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, have you heard of the fatal comma? There was a version of the Bible where they put the comma in the wrong place. And it's in this verse where it it reads, and God gave the pastors and teachers um, to equip his people, comma, for works of service. So the pastors and teachers were to equip the people and they were to do the works of service. That's not what this teaches. What this teaches is that God has given these gift people, gifted people, to build up the body so they do the works of service. Who are the ministers of Christ? You are. The minister for Christ is not the guy behind the pulpit. You are the ministers for Christ, and I'm equipping you to do ministry. And the word equip is the same word for resetting a broken bone. You know, we have definitely things we need to learn, things that are out of joint, and we need to put them back. And when they're put back, when a net is mended that had a big hole in it, it can now catch fish. So my job is to fix broken bones and to mend nets in your life to equip you so that you can do the works of ministry. Praise the Lord for the priesthood of all believers. We are all ministers for Christ. And we can maintain unity by being loving and truthful. Ephesians 4, 13 and 15 says, as you are being equipped by pastors and teachers, you are going to continue to be equipped until you all reach unity and faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. Now there's something very interesting in John chapter 1 where it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Speaking about Jesus. And he was full of what? He was full of grace and truth. So to be in the full stature of Christ is to have grace or love and truth combined. Too many churches either err on the side of really hammering the truth, but they're not very loving, or they're very loving and they're very compromising on the truth. It was said that truth without love is too hard. 
and love without truth is too soft. We need both. We need truth and love. And when we have that, when we grow in maturity, reflecting Christ, truth and love, then we're not tossed like infants by every wind of doctrine, false cult teaching of false teachers, every, every cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we're to speak the truth in love. The original Greek does not have the word speak in it. In other words, don't limit speaking the truth in love to speaking. We're to truth it in love. Whatever you do, whether you speak or whether you um, um, give someone a handshake or you uh, help somebody out, you're to truth it in love. That's how we grow in maturity is to be loving and truthful. And when we do that, we grow up into him who is the head, Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth. We become more like him. And finally, do your part. If you want to maintain unity, then you have your part of the problem to own, and you have your part of service and help to participate in making things better. It says in Ephesians 4.16, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, a relationship is not healthy just automatically. It takes effort. It takes you doing your part. Some people say, I will respect you when you love me. That would be a... a uh, wife speaking to her husband, I will respect you when you love me. And the husband says, and I will love you when you respect me. Guess what? They're not going to get anywhere. Start respecting and loving each other and it'll work out. So you've got to do your part. That's important. Every one of you has a spiritual gift. And as you use that spiritual gift, whether it's the encouraging or mercy or giving or administration or evangelism, when you use your spiritual gift, the body of Christ builds itself up. It grows in love, in Christ-like love, because everyone's participating. Now, what I'm about to say is legend. It's a, an illustration. Do not take this as an actual description. But someone has compared what heaven and hell may look like. In hell, there'll be this long banqueting table, and everyone will be seated across from each other, and there'll be four-foot-long forks. And there'll be scrumptious food, and they'll be digging into the food, but they're not able to feed themselves because the fork is too long. In heaven, there'll be the same situation. Long tables, scrumptious food, four-foot-long forks. But everyone will be happy. Why? Because they'll be feeding each other across the table. So we need to be unselfish, and we need to divest ourselves of pride and be humble to serve one another with an attitude of love. And when we do that, we have unity. Two monks decided that they were going to be like the world. They were too busy being pious, and they said, you know, we should 
we should do something like the world does. Let's have an argument. And one monk said to the other monk, okay, I've never had an argument. How do you do that? Well, see this rock? This rock is mine. And the other monk said, well, if it's yours, brother, keep it. And that was the end of the argument. It takes two to quarrel. And if the other person's not going to participate, there's no fun in that. Actually, that's harmony. Boy Scouts were given a challenge. If anyone can walk a length of a railroad tie for one mile, they'll get $100. One Boy Scout after another got on that rail and tried to walk on that rail for a mile, and they couldn't make it. Finally, two Boy Scouts got a good idea. One got on one rail, one got on the other rail. They held hands, and they walked a mile and collected $100. Why can't we all just get along? We need to hold hands again. We need to love one another as Christ has loved us. And Jesus said, by this they will know you are my disciples if you'll love one another as I have loved you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for speaking to us so powerfully today about how we can maintain unity. Thank you for the practicality and the relevancy of your word. We bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. And we ask that by your spirit, you'll help us to review this passage again, yield ourselves to you, and invite you to be Lord of all and to live your life through us. May our relationships be loving. May we heal the relationships that are broken. And may people see that we are your disciples by your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.